There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Book News, your latest literary roundup. So first up, some news from the Emirates Literature Foundation. Flora, I'll let you start with this one. Yes, well, the search for the UAE's best young poets and writers has begun with the Talim Award for Poetry and our story writing competition now both being open. Um, We run these competitions every year and we have a huge number of entries and really exciting and um, astonishingly polished work from young people in the UAE, actually. We love this competition. Um, The theme for them this year, so every year we have a different theme. And this year, the theme we think is a really open and uh, one that's going to bring in a huge variety of entries. It is tomorrow. So the theme is tomorrow. Um, It's time to start writing your poem or your story. And the deadline is 6th of October 2019. So you've got lots and lots of time. We really enjoy that um, students take the time over the summer holidays to write their story or their poem. Um, Sometimes people will do it um, within their school. So teachers, we have some fantastic teachers and librarians who really take on this competition, take it to heart and encourage their classes to write this as their creative writing um, exercise and then submit the best of the stories. And it's uh, open in categories, uh, different age group categories from um, 11 and under, then 12 to 14, 15 to 17 and 18 to 25. And we love that we keep it open right up for students at university because it, you shouldn't stop writing just because you're in secondary school or in university. It's, it's such a fantastic means of expression. So just keep on going. So um, get those stories written. Think about what tomorrow means to you. And we really look forward to reading the stories and poems that are going to come in. Eat break is a really good time to start thinking about it as well. Mm, I think so. A bit of extra time. Um, so where do people go for submissions for more information? So all the information is on our website. That's emiratelipfest.com and also elf.org under the education um, page resources. So there's two different places you can um, find that. And it's an online entry. So when you've written your poem or your story, there is a form to fill out and you upload your story and send it through to us. And we will have them all read and assessed um, to get the shortlists through to our judges uh, later on in this year. Amazing. Okay, so the Festival Book Club as well will be meeting to discuss Joker Al-Hathi's novel Celestial Bodies on Wednesday the 19th of June. If you fancy joining that, you can register to do so via elfdubai.org. The Omani writer recently won the Man Booker International Prize for her novel, which is very exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, Flora, I know that you have been reading or have Mm -hmm. read this book, so can you give us a quick summary of what it's about? Yes, and one of the great things about the Man Booker International Prize is all the books are translated. Yes. So you can really get um, a grip on the on the story. So this is a book set in Oman. So Joka Al-Hathi is, I believe, the first Omani female writer to have been translated. I'm not sure if I read that in the bookseller um, and it surprised me, but it may be, it may be the case. And this is the, the first um, female writer from the Arabian Gulf to have won uh, the prize. So this is a story set in the village Al-Awafi in Oman, centred around three sisters, Maya, Asma and Kaula, and, and also um, Maya's husband and her family. And it crosses three generations, so it's a fantastic fantastically um, epic story really of what's happened to these families across the years and the interconnections of their lives and their relationships as Oman itself changes hugely in that period over the sort of three generations. So if you like family drama with a strong sense of mm-hmm. place and a little bit of historical fiction yes, in there as well. Absolutely. Right. And it's very, it's very vivid of um, Omani life and the, 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 the situations that the different sisters find them in. They're all very, very different um, characters and the way they approach life is very different. So it's a, a great read. Actually, I'd really recommend it. I'm looking forward to it. I'd like to read more um, mm. stories that are actually set here in the Gulf. Yeah. Uh, finally, Talking of Books was away for a couple of weeks uh, this month or last month rather. And that was because I was away in New Zealand or Aotearoa. 
for the Auckland Writers Festival uh, with our own festival director, Ahlam Baluki. And I had a chance to speak to some wonderful readers and writers about books, writing and festivals in general. And if you wondered whether or not I tried to get some sound bites and interviews for talking of books, you would be correct. One of the people that I spoke to was Anne O'Brien, who's the director of the Auckland Writers Festival. And I spoke to her because the Auckland Writers Festival actually has a Maori name this year. Um, it's been around for a while, but this is the first year that it's actually had a Maori name. And I asked her about why this was and how it came about. The Māori name for the festival is Waituhi or Tāniki. Uh, the process came about because obviously uh, partnership in Aotearoa New Zealand is really important. You know, Tāngata Whenua Māori, we are their colonial partners for, a bit, for want of a better word. And that is an ongoing conversation in this country, not always well executed. But I think all organisations, all of us as individuals and organisations have a responsibility to navigate what partnership means and to really honour that. So that is a, a process for the festival which is really, which we've always acknowledged, but I think we've realised in the last year or two that we've got a lot of work, more work to do. So that's the reasoning behind the Maori name for the Auckland Writers' Festival this year. But what does Waituhi Atamaki actually mean? So Waituhi is an interesting word. As a full word, it actually relates to the paint that was used in tamoko, facial painting, and kofaifai, which is kind of the patterns in the marae. And so there's a beautiful, that was storytelling in its time. And so there's a beautiful framework of the ink that was used for storytelling, which has now become us. But if you split that word and look at it metaphorically, why means water. Uh, obviously, Tamaki Makaro is the Māori name for Auckland. We are a city built on the harbour. The waters are all around us and very much we're a Pacific island, so anchored in the water. And tuhi means to write. So we have the flowing waters we have the writing, we have the storytelling of the narrative, and we are of Tamaki, Tamaki Makoro, the uh, Māori name for Auckland. Now, a lot of this, if you're reading the programme when you're in Auckland, is kind of understood by everybody who lives in New Zealand, that Māori is a part of their way of life and a part of the language, and everybody is making an effort to learn more um, te reo Māori. And I, I found that really interesting, understanding a little bit more of the meaning of all of the words um, and yeah, that was possibly one of my favourite parts of it. But of course, if you're speaking to Anne O'Brien, director of a literature festival halfway around the world, I wanted to ask her why she thinks literature festivals matter. So it seems to me that, I mean, literacy in and of itself is a fundamental human right. You know, you need to, you need to be able to read and write to navigate the world. How do you sign a lease for your flat? How do you, there are so many things. And secondly, it's an opportunity to release creativity and inspiration. It gives us a bigger view of the world. It gives us a broader landscape. And, and actually, we've heard lots of people this week talk about the making of work and how that's a way to channel anxiety and how that's a way to work through hard times. You know, Bill Mannheim's line, let us make what we can make. It enriches lives in that way. And the third thing that it does is it connects us to each other because actually there is no way I can know what your experience in the world is. I can never absolutely know it. I can only know my own. But the closest I can get is if you tell me what your experience is. So I need to hear your story to have any starting place for an understanding of who you are. And so the world of language, the world of books and stories, that does that for us. And what that does is connect us to each other. It builds great citizens and it builds great communities and it enables us to think more broadly and understand more widely and to 
connect to each other more. One of the most exciting things about the Auckland Writers' Festival was that on Sunday the 19th of May, Jacinda Ardern, the Prime Minister of New Zealand, actually appeared and um, spoke to a massive audience, and she was phenomenal. And if you're wondering if, if I highlighted the kind of books that she liked to read, that did come up in the session, which was wonderful. Would you like to know what some of her favourite books are? Yes, please. OK. So can you guess? What would you... You have absolutely no idea. What do you think she might like? I think she probably likes some non-fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, I bet she enjoys... I'd imagine her in reading literary fiction as well and something in different languages or translated fiction. She seems to be a very international, outward-looking sort of a, of a person. Well, what she said was, and this is quoting, uh, I would love to be able to say that as a teenager I read really weighty books of note. I loved Nancy Drew. <laughs> I really did. And she went on to say, I actually thought right up until my early 20s that I would join the police force. <laughs> And then she went on to talk about another book. She said, but when I was about 14 or so, my father, and to this day, is an avid reader of history books, but also books about Antarctic exploration. And I remember one day when we were on holiday as kids, seeing this book that he was reading and him telling me about it, being so fascinated that I read it. And that started my great love of Antarctic exploration. So my favourite book is actually a book about the endurance. It's a book about Ernest Shackleton, who has always been a hero of mine. And it's written by Alfred Lansig. And it's an incredible, incredible book and really tells the tale of leadership in the face of opposition. That is, is an extraordinary story, actually, and that's a really interesting to see that as an influence on her as a leader, because she has shown such extraordinary leadership in the last six months over in, in New Zealand. So that was towards the end of the conversation mm-hmm. at the festival. Most of it was obviously about the election, but I, I was really happy that at, at a writers' festival they went into her literary inspiration. I love that it's Nancy Drew. Yeah, and Nancy Drew. Um, another festival moment I want to share with you is actually from the Hay Festival. Now, this has actually been doing the rounds online, but if you've missed it, I have to play it for you. This is Stephen Fry talking about a very memorable moment um, or mishap when recording the audiobooks for Harry Potter, the J.K. Rowling series that kind of took over the publishing world. Um, And it starts, I think, when he's recording The Prisoner of Azkaban. And there's a particular sentence that he just can't figure out how to say. There was one phrase, and this is what happens, that tripped me up. It was just three words. It's ridiculous. Three words. And, and I, I couldn't say it. And, and the three words were, Harry pocketed it. See, I still can't say it. <laughs> Harry pocketed it. Harry, you see, I can say Harry, and I can say pocketed, and I can say it, but I can't say Harry pocketed it. I always, and so we were doing it. I was going, Harry pocketed it. And Joe, Joe Rowling wasn't in the studio, because this was the third book, I think, uh, the Azkaban book. Um, and there were the Dementors and everything. And, and I... The, everyone started laughing, and the, the, the engineer in the studio. I said, "Look, I said, can we come back to Harry Potter um, at the end of the day? Maybe I'll, I'll, we'll just try it." <laughs> so at lunchtime, I call up um, Joe Rowling, and I say, "Joe, um, it's, it, now she had very, I think, wisely from the beginning, even before, when it was just one book, she had wanted the audiobook to be complete, unabridged, not." condensed in any way as sometimes audiobooks are because she felt that if children were reading it and listening at the same time they, they would be annoyed if, there were, if it was different and so she wanted so it was very important that we got it exactly right um, so I called her up and said look um, do you mind I can't say Harry pocket would it be okay if I said Harry put it in his pocket and she there was a big pause in the line and then she said no and <laughs> 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 in her best witch's voice. And I could just hear the smile in her voice when she said it. 
So I managed to get it out. But this is a mark of the woman. The phrase Harry pocketed it appears in every subsequent book. <laughs> Stephen Fry there speaking at the Hay Festival, I think a few days ago or about a week ago, about recording the audiobooks for the Harry Potter series. That is the level of petty that I think I aspire to be. <laughs> well, I think that shows huge determination and belief in your text. I love yeah. it. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.